this morning. Revelation chapter number 5, verse number 9. And they sung a new song. (laughs) Hallelujah. Saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. Hallelujah. And we shall reign on the earth. Heavenly Father, God, I beg you, God, that you just have your will and your way. God, thank you for what we felt this morning. God, we thank you, God, that you just have put the Holy Spirit of God upon this church and upon the ministries. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you've given this opportunity for us to preach. And God, I pray that you just fill me, God, with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that you just empty me of myself. And God, fill me with the Spirit. God, I pray that no one would be uplifted but other than your precious name. God, I want your name to be lifted above all names. God, I want you to be seen above all things. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for our salvation. God, we thank you for God, you you being so good to us, Lord, and touch us now in this time. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. And amen. You go ahead, be seated. Thank you for standing. In this book of the Bible, I'll tell you, this is absolutely one of my favorite books of the Bible and one of my favorite chapters in all of the book of Revelation. Why? Because I love to praise God. And when we love to praise God, then we are going to get into practice. Now, I love to practice some things, and I love to practice praising God while we're here on this earth. And I believe that we should practice praising God while we're here. Because there's coming a day in Revelation chapter number 5, where every born-again, blood-bought, born-again Christian is going to stand before a holy God and be able to see the slain Lamb of God, and to be able to raise our hands and to praise Him and tell Him, thank you for what you have done for each and every one of us. And I'm thankful that he has done it for all mankind. Not one person has he left out. Brother Gerald, not one man has he said, I don't want you. I choose. I don't choose you. I don't choose you. He has not done that. But he has given each and every one of us the opportunity to accept him as our Savior. And when we begin to look at these chapters, this chapter is absolutely amazing. When you look in the very first verse, the Bible says this, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, written a book written within and on with a backside, sealed with seven seals. The very first thing that it opens up is when it opens up with a scroll. This scroll, a lot of people believe, is the very uh, uh, title deed to the earth, to the title deed to all of the things that, that God has created. And there is a redemption that needs to take place. Why? because Adam the first man plunged into sin and each and every one of us after that as well with him. But not only that we look at that, that scroll is that title deed and that is an opportunity but yet the Lamb of God is standing there. Look at verse number 2 with me. The verse 2 verse says, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming, a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Brother Steve, I not only see that there's a scroll, but there is a survey that is taking place. A strong angel that's saying, who is worthy? Now I want you to notice that he's not saying that who is a strong man. 
He's not saying who is a rich man, a wealthy man. He's not saying who is the one that has the most class. He's not saying who's the one that is the most of importance on this earth. He is simply asking a question, who is worthy? Oh, thank God that when we see this, he's not looking at the the strong ones. He's not looking at the wealthy ones. He's not looking at the notoriety. Adam could not stand in that first time. That first man that stood there had to stand in silence. Those others, the presidents and the monarchs of all this world, had to sit there in silence and say, it's not me. People begin to look through. I'll begin to be honest and say this, that preachers and pastors and evangelists and great preachers and great, great Christians of the world could not stand and say that I am the one that is worthy. There is none worthy, no, not one. So when we begin to look at this, Romans chapter number 3 tells us that there's none worthy. But when we begin to look at this survey, it leads us into sorrow. Why? Look at verse number 3 or verse number 4 in there. And I wept much. This is John speaking. That I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book and to read the book, neither there to look on. See, the sorrow that John displays forces us to note that there is something that's special about this. That there is a great need that all mankind has to have and that need can only be met by one (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) and thank God I know the one hallelujah thank God that I have met the one thank God that he has given me salvation there's only one we'll see that scroll of redemption is simply this I began to study through the Old Testament and when you look in the Old Testament there are three things that can be redeemed when you begin to look at the redemption you say that there is a wife that can be redeemed someone can a husband that, that dies and leaves a, a woman that does not have a child then they can go and they can redeem a, a near kinsman can come and marry that widow and redeem them If you are very familiar with the book of Ruth, you read through the four chapters of that, you become very familiar with just that concept. Then also a slave could be redeemed. If a man got into debt and could not pay that debt, they would put him into slavery. But then a near kinsman could come alongside and could redeem him and purchase him and bring him out of that slavery. Glory to God, it's getting better. Hallelujah. But then there's even better. There's possessions that could be... (laughs) that could be uh, redeemed. If a man owed a debt, then those possessions would go into another man's or another person's uh, 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 way to be able to be kept. And, And then they would be placed in slavery as well. But then a near kinsman could come alongside and could redeem them and pay the price and could go ahead and redeem them out and their possessions, glory to God, hallelujah, out of the way. So when we begin to look at that, you say, well, where, Brother Shane, could we possibly find somebody that we could actually fit the bill? Because there are three qualifications to that Redeemer. Number one, that that Redeemer has to be a near kinsman, has to be very near to us. Number two, that that kinsman actually has to be willing to pay. If you read through the book of Ruth, you'll find out there was one that was not willing to pay. And he was able to send it on. And thank God that we are able to see that in the book of Ruth. But then lastly, he has to be able. (laughs) He has to be able to pay. 
Not only does he have to be a near kinsman, not only does he have to be able to pay or be able to be willing to pay, but he has to be able to pay. Well, where can we find that? Well, I can go ahead and lead you down a road, but I want you to turn with me real quickly. If you've got just a few moments, I'm going to take just a few moments. Turn with me in Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 17. I want to show you just a couple of verses that show you just who our near kinsman could possibly be. In Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 7, the Bible says this, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Right there, if you write in your Bible, I want you to write down next to that verse number 7 in chapter number 2 of Genesis. Jesus is my near kinsman. Why? Because Jesus had created us and breathed into us, glory to God, the breath of life. He has given us the opportunity. He's also, that is also, by the way, why he's called the root of David. When you look into Revelation chapter number 5. But then also, he was willing to pay. Turn with me quickly, John chapter number 17. And this is probably the last... I'll get you to turn. And John chapter number 17, this is the great intercessory prayer from Jesus Christ. He's there praying for you and for me. And in John chapter number 7, or chapter number 10, excuse me, verse number 17, the Bible says this, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Jesus was willing to pay, glory to God, the price that it took. But then at the verse, chapter number, John chapter number 10, verse number 18, when you continue on, it says, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Look at this next phrase. I have power to lay it down. Glory to God, and I have power to take it again. Glory to God, there is one that is standing here. Then when we begin to look at this sorrow, that there's one that has to be willing to pay. There's one that has to be a near kinsman. And there's one that has to be able to pay. Brother Landon, this proves to me, these verses, that Jesus Christ is my dear kinsman. That Jesus Christ is the one that was willing to pay for my redemption. And Jesus Christ, glory to God, was able to pay for my redemption. One that's near. But then in verse number 5, quickly, we look at this. There's a solace. And one, verse number five, in Revelation chapter number five, verse number five, and one of the elders said unto me, <laughs> Glory to God. Have you ever have you ever had God? <laughs> have you ever God just wrap you up in your in his arms and tell you, weep not? Don't worry, because there's a greater day coming. Because there's something better around the bend. There's something greater around this way. Thank God that there's a solace. He says, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. And I love this word, hath prevailed. Glory to God. To open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. I'm so glad that all of a sudden the Savior came into, came into clear view to be able to see, boy, that, that there's a Savior that steps out onto the portals of heaven. And just as John was weeping and would cause great despair in the church, there was none worthy to take possession of this book. Then all of a sudden Jesus Christ steps on the scene. The Lion of the tribe of Judah has recognized the root of David. It says that he hath 
prevailed. That word hath prevailed is actually a word that says to subdue. That means to conquer. That means to overcome. As a matter of fact, in John 16, verse number 33, when Jesus says, I have overcome, that's the same word in the Greek that's being used here in the book of Revelation. Hath prevailed, hath overcome. Thank God that Jesus Christ is the one that has overcome all of these things. And the one that stepped forward. And then all of a sudden you look at this in verse number 6. And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. (laughs) That's it. When John looks up, he says, Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. John's looking for a lion. He's saying, Where's the lion? What's going on? All I see is a lamb. But thank God, the same one of the lion is the same one that is the lamb. The lamb that was slain from the very beginning of this world. Thank God that he has given us the opportunity to know him. Why? Because God has given us salvation through the blood of the precious lamb of God. And then what? You begin to look at this and when the lamb stands up, Meeting breaks out. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. When meeting breaks out, that's when the Lamb usually stands up. When the Holy Spirit of God begins to move from person to person and begins to flow freely throughout the congregation. And I'll be honest with you. If you've ever been one of those meetings where the whole congregation gets in one mind and one accord, I believe it. pastor refers to it as that night one of those nights and I believe it a lot of the people that know what I'm talking about and I've been in part of those services and some of those services where I have seen the move of God so great and it wasn't about who was singing on the platform and it wasn't about who was preaching on the platform and it wasn't about who was sitting in the pews but all it was about was the Lamb of God and that's what it all needs to be at every time that we come to this place to worship the Lamb of God Look at verse number eight, meeting breaks out. And when they had opened, taken, the, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials and full of odors, uh, which are uh, the prayers of the saint. And I'll be honest with you, that's an amazing thing. But then all of a sudden, they get ready to start doing something. They get ready to start singing. <laughs> Shoo. Isn't it good to be able to sing the praises of God? Boy, we've already sang this morning. Praise Him. Praise Him. Blessed Redeemer, thank God that we have to be able to praise Him. Thank God that we are redeemed. Thank God that He is worthy. And thank God that we can sing these songs. But I'll be honest with you folks. I don't believe it. A lot of people will say, they won't want me in the choir. When I get to heaven, they won't want me in the choir. I don't believe that. I believe everybody will be able to sing. Praise God. I got some people that's going through my head right now. I'm thinking, boy, they'll be able to sing. Glory to God. That wasn't nice. I'm sorry. But everybody will be able to sing. You say, they took those harps and they begin to start tuning them up. Nope. Why? Because there's only perfection in heaven. We don't have to have tuners. We don't have to get ready. We don't have to uh, practice and get everything. Why? Because the praise of God is something that's natural for the child of God. It's something that we just want to, we want to get in on. 
that we want to enjoy, that we want to have a great time. And they, they have this time and it causes the inhabitants of this world to break out in song. It causes the, the inhabitants of all of heaven to be able to look and to say, Worthy is the Lamb of God. Look at verse number 9 with me. We begin to see this, a song of praise. And they sung a new song, glory to God, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of, by thy blood out of every kindred and every tongue and people and nation. What a song. What a song to be able to sing that. A song that lifts Jesus up above everything else to be able to say, Thou art worthy. Thou, nobody else. I'm not looking at anyone else. My attention is not given to anyone else. It's only to the Lamb of God. Thou art worthy. Why is He worthy? Because of the sacrificial death that He was able to do for each and every one of us. And it was not an accident. Thank God that it was not an accident. It was not a tragedy of a cause that people were beginning to see. It was not a reactionary disaster that we had. He died that we might live. As a matter of fact, John chapter number 19, verse number 30, Jesus Christ, he cries three words. It is finished. And thank God he has finished it and he's done all things very well. You say, well, then it's a new song. Well, thank God that it is a new song. Look at this with me in verse number nine. And they sang a new song. And I begin to look, read through the Bible, begin to look through this. And, and I love music, always have loved music. I've grown up uh, playing music and singing music and, and trying to do great things for the Lord and, and uh, attempting to play different instruments. And I said attempting to play different instruments. And uh, just had to have a good time. But when I begin to research and go through the Bible, I begin to see that in the book of Genesis, all 50 chapters, there's not one song recorded. In the book of Genesis. Now in the book of Job, which a lot of people will believe that there's a song that's recorded, the angels of the morning stars, they sang and they believe at the creation of all time. But, but there's not a song in the book of Genesis that's recorded. But it takes 15 chapters into the book of Exodus before we see a song. You say, well, what is so special about chapter number 15 in the book of Exodus? Well, you got to go back to chapter number 14 in the book of Exodus. And when you get to the book of Exodus in chapter number 14, there's an amazing thing that's taking place. The people of God are already on their way out of Egypt and the Egyptian army is beginning to pursue them. And the Egyptian army is saying that we're going to go and we're going to be with them and we're going to take them down. We want them back. That's not going to happen. And God says, no, you're not. I love it when God steps on the scene. I love it when God simply says, hey, I've made a decision. I've made the executive decision and this is going to take place. My people are crossing over. My people are going to worship me. My people are going to go out and no longer be under the bondage of the Egyptian people. Well, then Moses is looking for one side and he sees the Red Sea and he sees the mountains and the desert and the Egyptians behind him. Well, where does he go? And you all know the story. In Exodus chapter number 14, he stretches out the staff and the water parts and God blows the breath of God across there and all of a sudden the people of God begin to walk over on dry ground hallelujah and then we begin to look through that dry ground and then the Egyptians say hey if they can do that why can't we so the Egyptians say let's go boys and they start going through the middle of there and then I love one of the verses that says this uh, brother Steve it says 
that God looked and he took the wheels off the Egyptians' chariots. (laughs) It was not a good pit stop. They had their wheels taken off the chariots and all of a sudden they couldn't go forward. They couldn't go backwards. And all of a sudden God says, hey, Moses, why don't you stretch your uh, staff back out one more time? And he does it one more time. And God says, that's enough breath for you. Hallelujah. And then all of a sudden the armies of Egypt are all consumed. And then in verse number one, in chapter number 15, the book of Exodus, the people of God and Moses break out in song. Why? Because that's a song of deliverance. God had delivered the people of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. And then all of a sudden, something great happens here in Revelation chapter number 5. There's a song of redemption that only the redeemed of people of God can sing. I can sing this song. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can sing this song. And I'm looking forward to the day where we join together and sing this glorious song together in the presence of the Lamb of God. I'm so thankful that we have that opportunity, but that we have that opportunity to sing this new song. You say, well, there's something great about this. Well, there's a couple of words in the Greek text that is used for new. Nuos is the first one. That is one that is actually, that we begin to see that there's a new specimen. Already existent, there's something just new of the same kind. But there's another word that actually is kianos, is actually has created something new that has never existed before. Now guess with me, which word is used in this text? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm getting excited. Why? Because it's a new song. It's something that's never been created before. It's something that God has put in the birth in the heart of the people of God that can only stand and say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy of the Lamb that has been slain from the foundations of the world. Thank God that we have it. And you say, begin to say this. Well, why is it that we're able to sing something new, something that's never been created before? Well, in 2 Corinthians Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Guess what word is used there? Hallelujah. The same one that's found in Revelation 5 and verse number 9. It's a new creation. Something that ain't ever been seen before. Glory to God. If you've been new in Christ, if you've been made new in Christ, you're something that this world has never been able to see. You're something that this whole world will never be able to get used to. But thank God one day I'll be able to kneel at the throne of God and thank Him for making me new and letting me sing a new song. Glory to God. And in verse number nine, not only we see that, but it's a theme song. Thou art worthy to take the book. Worthy because of the sacrificial death. It's something that Jesus, the Lamb of God, uh, he take the roll, but the scroll, but thank God he only not doesn't just take it, but he keeps it. It's his. He possesses it now. He can do whatever he wants to do with it. And thank God that he has chosen to love us. To be able to bring us together. Thank God. And then let's look quickly, quickly, quickly. I'm moving. It's a redeemed song. 
Look at this. For thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God. And that last phrase gets me. By thy blood. (laughs) Thank you, God. I love it. I love it, the fact that it's his blood that was, but then also there's a redemption. I know I feel like I'm just teaching y'all this morning, but, but this really excites me too because there's words that is used for redeem. We begin to redeem and we begin to look. A gazero actually means to purchase in a market. Anybody ever gone to a flea market? Oh, come on, admit to it. I love them. One man's junk is another man's treasures. Glory to God. I love it. I love to be able to go and find somebody else's junk. And boy, you find some of the craziest things out there. You see some amazing things. But boy, that's what it means to redeem. That means a gazero means I can redeem something. I can buy it out of the market. But if I buy something from a flea market, guess what I'm probably going to do? I'm going to have me a flea market. And I'm going to sell it again. But that's what this word actually means. That I, I can buy it. I can purchase it. I can redeem it out of the market. But I'm free to do whatever I want to do with it. Then also lutro actually means to loose, to set be free by paying a price. Well, that's good to redeem. That means that Jesus Christ has paid a price. You, uh, the price, what, what is it? He's bought us with His blood. That, what a great high price. The precious blood of Christ. But then exaglero actually is an exaggerated term of that first one. It means to actually to be able to, to purchase out of a market, but never to be sold again. <laughs> Hallelujah. That means he's, he's, he's bought me. And he ain't going to put me in a flea market. He ain't going to sell me second hand. You know what, to be honest with you, Brother Jerry, I wouldn't be worth being sold. To be worth, Brother Tom, there wasn't anything that I'm worth to be. Nobody would give anything. Well, Sister Heather, I hope you would give something for me. Well, in front of these people, you've got to say that. Hallelujah. But, but, but I'm not worth it. But thank God that He has chosen that he loved me so much that when he redeemed me, when he purchased me out of it, he'll never sell me again. You say, well, what, what kind of biblical proof do you have behind that? Well, Mark chapter number 10 says, For the Son of Man came not to minister to, unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That ransom means the same thing. Exaxero. 1 Timothy 2 says this, Who gave himself a ransom for all, by the way, for all, by the way, for all, I like to say that all, all means all, hallelujah. I'm thankful that God has given all to us and has redeemed us all. Galatians says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. First Peter says this, For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold in your vain conversation received by the traditions from your Father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot or without blemish, the Lamb of God is redeemed and He will never have to do this again. 
You go for a little further and it looks in verse number, chapter number 9 in the book of Hebrews. Verse number 12 says this, Neither by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained, listen to this, eternal redemption for us. Hallelujah. Eternal redemption. That means that he doesn't have to do it again. That means that when we begin to look through in Hebrews chapter number 9, near the end of it, it actually says this. It says that the Bible is telling us that when God uh, was, uh, gave up his life, he took his own blood. And this, this temple that we have here on earth is also set up in glory as well. And there's a mercy seat in heaven that Jesus Christ was able to walk into the glory and to pour his own blood. And that was never the blood of bulls and never the blood of goats that were there but then all of a sudden when Jesus Christ poured his blood on that mercy seat of heaven thank God God says satisfied 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 why because we're redeemed by the blood the precious blood of Christ and it's for all who believe you say well How do you prove that? Well, look back with our text. Chapter number five in Revelation, verse number nine. At the end of the verse, it says this, out of every kindred, literally every tribe. Tribe means to probably get the divisions, classes of people associated together. Families. Out of every tongue. People that are speaking all languages. The word that's used here actually means a a human family, a larger group. The people that are speaking, that means English, Spanish, French, German, whatever. All of those, every, every kindred, every tongue. We're not leaving anybody out. And people. The word here actually means to to consider a mass made up of a smaller division and nation. You believe that God has given his life for each and every man, woman, boy, and girl? That's what the Bible's telling us right there. You cannot deny that when you look at what God has written in His book. But look, we went quickly and we'll we'll be dismissed because I know we get out at 12 o'clock most of the time. But Revelation chapter number 5, verse number 10, we see a sure position. A sure position and has made us unto our God. <laughs> Kings and priests. We are the product of our environment most of the time. And unless something comes by and makes us something new, are you listening to me? <laughs> You are the product of your environment. How you are raised. You can't help it. I have a southern draw. Why? Because a cowboy and an Indian. That's my mama and daddy. That's messed up right there, yeah. But I have a southern draw. I, I, I am just the way that I am. I love chocolate, mom, because my mama shoved chocolate down my throat as a child. So now I love chocolate. I almost died eating chocolate one time. Hallelujah. It was worth it. Hallelujah. 
Watch out for those almonds. They'll get you. But you're the product of your environment unless something comes by. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm so thankful that when I was a six-year-old little boy, I was sitting in the amen corner at Friendship Baptist Church that now is under a runway in Atlanta, Georgia. I can't go to that spot anymore, but I can tell you what happened right here. I was gloriously born into the family of God. You say, Brother Shane, what happened? They started singing one of those good old page number 81, Just As I Am songs after Ray Hill preached the word of God like forked lightning. And I tugged on daddy's coattail. And daddy, Brother Buford said this, Not now, son. It's altar call time. I tugged on his coat one more time. He said, Son, this is serious time. I said, I know, daddy. Why? Because it was my time that time. And I was born into the family of God that day. And thank God that I will forever be because why? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We begin to look through and we say, well, where we're kings? Well, thank God that God has made me a king, has made us kings and priests. If you look in Revelation, we don't have time to go there right now, but in Revelation chapter number 20, verse number 4, the Bible tells us this, and I saw thrones and they that sat upon the thrones and judgment was given unto them. Judgment means rulership. Boy, that means that we're going to have some authority. Thank God that God has given us authority with the blood of Jesus Christ. But then, when we look through and the church is going to have that position to reign and to be able to help, but then they're made priests. God has made us kings and priests, not only rulership, but we've been given a priesthood. We've been given a ministry. We've been given something. See, the amazing part about this is the fact that in the Old Testament, the priest had the right to go and only the priest had the right to approach God. There was several places that you had to go through. First of all, there was the court of the Gentiles. We weren't even allowed. We weren't even allowed. Then there was the court of women. Those were the Jewish women that were allowed to go a little further than the Gentile people. But then there was the court of the Israelites where the men would be able to go a little further. But then there was the court of the priest. And only the priest could be brought in to that place. Not only do we have authority. I love it when he preaches sermon for you. Praise God. He's given us access. Why? Because Jesus Christ has broke down the barriers for all of that. The Gentiles can go all the way in. The women can go all the way in. All of Israel can go all the way in. Every man, woman, boy and girl has access to the throne of God and to be able to see God face to face someday and worship Him and say, Thou art worthy. Boy, by the way, a priest is supposed to sacrifice something. Well, what are we supposed to sacrifice? Well, Romans chapter number 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See, he's made something out of some, something that was absolutely nothing. A king and a priest. 
you've, you've heard pastors say it. You've seen that he's a king and he's Saint Joseph. Well, that's a really more cool, but I'm Saint Shane. I'm a king. I'm a saint. I'm thankful that I am that way because why? He has made me just that. See, what an amazing song that we have. The song of the redeemed singing in the presence of God. And I'll be honest with you, that makes me want to sing even more and more and more and more. See, I love those old hymns. How many of you are raised on the redback like me? Hey, redback hymnal. Well, see, I I know these songs by their numbers most of the time. Page number 57, the national anthem for the Baptist. Amazing grace. Hallelujah. Then you have page number 329, which is standing on the promises of God. That's one of my dad's all-time favorites right there as well. And then we have page number 139 that actually really truly is another one of his uh, favorites that we have. He keeps me singing in page number 125. Since Jesus came into my heart, page number 269. He lives, he lives, page number 181. I know my name is there, page 346. We get to one other, it says actually this, when we all get to heaven, page number 393. Glory to his name. I knew it. Page number 151 in the old red back hymnal, we sang it earlier. Praise Him, praise Him. But there's one of my favorite songs in that old red back hymnal. Page number 277. Page number 277. I love that old song. Sweet is the song I'm singing today. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. Troubles and sorrows have vanished away. I have been, I have been.